through chapter number 4. We're going to begin at verse number 1. It says, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. He talks about the, the rest of God. He, he's not talking about that eternal rest, but it's a promise that's been left. But the verse we basically want to deal with is, is verse number 2. Um, and our subject t- tonight will be uh, the missing element. The missing element. Verse number 2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in that they in that them that heard it. Now, there's a couple of things I want to look at here. And um, when it first talks about uh, the gospel, for unto us was the gospel preached. Most of the time we think the gospel was only in the New Testament. But let's flip over to Galatians chapter number 3 and uh, uh, get some clarity on that. Uh, because God does talk about uh, the gospel in uh, Galatians chapter Number three. Now keep your hand there in, in, in Hebrew chapter four, uh, but we're going to move from there as well. Uh, Galatians chapter number three, and we're looking at verse number, well, let's read verse number seven, because remember now he talks about the gospels being preached. Now verse seven says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now verse eight says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the what? The gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So even though we speak of the gospel in the New Testament, that the gospel is the good news of the word that was given. So it applies to those in that time as well, in Abraham's time, because Galatians 3 and 8 tells us so. But in, back in Hebrew, in chapter 4, verse number 2, it said that the word that was preached did not profit them. In other words, there was no benefit. But then there was a reason. It says, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You can be up under the word, but if you don't use faith or mix it with faith, nothing will come to pass. Now, let's look at an example that God gave me, which is in Numbers chapter number 13. We're going to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter number 13. Numbers. Because remember now, the missing element. Faith is that missing element. When you, when you hear the word and you don't see any <coughs> manifestation of the word in your life, then that element of faith is missing. And here's a prime example about the word not being mixed with faith. Uh, Numbers chapter number 13, and we're going to begin in verse number 25. And this is a very familiar text because we know that uh, God has spoken to his people and he had told them how he was going to bless them and he was going to send them to the land of Canaan and he was going to give them uh, this particular land. So they had to uh, go in, into an uncharted waters, uncharted waters. A lot of times we don't like to go into uncharted waters because we are afraid of, of what might be there, okay? Now let's look at verse number 25 in, in Numbers uh, chapter 13. Verse 25 says, this is after the, the spies had gone out. 
It says, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. It was 40 is the time of testing. And said, verse 26, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron. Aaron means a light bringer. Not the light bearer, but the light bringer. So they go, and, they, and, and I looked at this, and it says they went to Moses, and then they went to Aaron. Now remember, Moses is the one that sent them out, because God told them to give them the instructions. But what they did was they came back, they go to Moses, they go to Aaron, and, it says, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. They, they, they speak to everybody at one time. They didn't speak directly to leadership. It was leadership that sent them out. Now it says... Uh, um, and to all the generations, uh, unto the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran. Now, that word Paran there in the Hebrew means boasting or trying to make oneself clear by explaining. So when they went out, they came back, they came back boasting, okay? Then it says to Kaddish. Kaddish means sanctuary. Not only did they begin to boast uh, in, in that wilderness of Paran, that boasting spirit, even our dry season, but when you come to that place of the sanctuary, there they, they brought that same spirit in as well. And then it says, And brought back word unto them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. I mean, they saw the evidence, okay? They saw the evidence of what God had for them. And verse 27 says, And they told him and said, We came unto this land whither thou sentest us, and surely... It floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit thereof. Now, that word floweth there means overflow. We're in a season of overflow, and if we don't mix the, uh, our faith with, with, with God's word, we're going to miss the overflow. Amen? So it says, and surely it, it flow, it's flowing with milk and honey. Just what God said it was going to do, or uh, what they were encountering, that's exactly what they found. And, and then they brought back the evidence of, of what God said that they had. Uh, now, look at verse number 28. It says, Nevertheless, the people, even though they saw what God said that he was going to give them, and that was the evidence, and they had proof of what God says, then it goes to, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. In other words, what they did was they forgot about what God had shown them or allowed them to bring back. But they began to look at the size of the enemy rather than looking at their God. Because first thing they did, they saw how strong. First thing they talked about, oh, they're strong that dwells there. So they, over, they overemphasized or overstated the enemy, the size of the enemy. That's what we do today. You know, when, when God, God now has launched us into an a, a enormous, enormous uh, 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 situation, uh, 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 territory, wherein uh, when you look at it, you wouldn't think, no, no, we can't be doing all this. I, I just don't see how we're going to do this. But see, we've got to look at our God and not look at what we have. Because, see, they begin to look at what they could do in themselves. It's not about what we can do in ourselves. It's about what our God can do. Amen? So, so they, they saw the giants. They're talking about the children of Anak. These were the, the uh, Nephims. The, the, they were the giants in the land. So God is saying to us, don't look at the giants in our life or in what God that's going to come forth out of the ministry. 
God said, look at him and not all the situations that will surround us. So we've got to always keep our eyes and focus on the Lord. Now, we drop down in verse number 30, it says, and Caleb. Now, Caleb means capable. You've got to always have somebody in the house that's capable to be able to steal the people when they start talking crazy. Okay? Because, you know, when God gives you a God-sized assignment and you see what, what coins you have, then, of course, you're going to always have somebody there in the midst that can't believe that we can do it. you always got a naysayer. So, but you've got to have a Caleb, somebody that's, that's capable or forcible that will steal the people, quiet the people. He said, quiet the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That shows you he took the word and he mixed it with faith. Because, see, his, his response was, okay, he was part of those 12 too. But he came back with a different report. He said, yeah, we're well able to do this. Now, even now, everything that God has called for us to do, God is saying, we are well able to do it. We just got to trust God. We're, we're, we're well able to do it. And, and, and then we're able to overcome. I don't care what the circumstances, situation that may come against us, God is letting us know we're well able to take on uh, what God has called for the house to do, as well as in your own family. But look at verse number 31. It said, because we know, remember now, we're talking about that missing element. It said, but the men that went up with him said, now, okay, that's the mother ten now. You know, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They were looking at, uh, they were looking at themselves, and they would look at the situation through the eyes of man. They were trying, trying to deal with things in their own strength. All the first thing they were saying, they're stronger than we are. Mm. No, they don't know our God. God says, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit is what, is what he says. Now, verse number 32 says, and they brought up, here they come, here come the doubters. Now, you're going to have some doubters now. I mean, as God continues to unfold what he wants to done through this ministry, you're going to have some doubters and some naysayers. And even though they see it, they see the evidence, they see the proof, you're still going to see some doubters. Verse 32 says, And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They forgot what, what the evidence they brought back. They, they totally forgot. All of a sudden now, this land that was flowing with milk and honey, that land of overflow, all of a sudden they said that, that, that we're going to be consumed by this. And see, God's telling us, no, we're not going to be consumed by anything. We've got, to, we've got to trust the Lord to know he is going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? Now, let's flip over to verse number 33, uh, same chapter. Verse 33 says, watch what they say. And there we saw, talking about this land of overflow, because God is about to release overflow into this house. Okay? And everybody's life, he's going to release overflow. He said, and there we saw the giants, the sons of, of, of Anak. You know, they talking about they see these giants now, which, which come of the giants. Uh, and we were in our, look at what they say. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. This is how they perceive their own selves, as grasshoppers. And, and we were in, uh, and so were we in their sight. 
and so were we in their sight. Now, let me tell you what the problem is. The Word of God says God sits on the circle of, of the earth. Uh, 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 God sits on the circle of the earth, and He sees all the inhabitants as grasshoppers. God, God saw the giants as grasshoppers. That's what the Word says. He sees them all as grasshoppers, not just those that, that think that they are less than or, or somebody who has more strength. God saw, He sees all, according to the Word, as grasshoppers. But here, the, uh, the people of God that had seen the power of God, they began to perceive themselves as a little bit of tiny grasshoppers. You know, they saw that in their own sight, so the way they saw themselves, that's what they thought that how the enemy saw them too. But let me tell you something. Let, let me give you a secret. The enemy does not see us as little grasshoppers. He sees us as mighty warriors. He sees us as giants in the kingdom of God. The only person that see us as, see themselves as grasshoppers is the one that does not have the perception that God has of that individual. Amen. So, so we got to come to understand. We got to mix that, mix our faith with the Word of God to know there's nothing that God has set forth for this house to do that we cannot accomplish. Now, watch in ver- verse number two in chapter number fourteen. Three minutes. Okay, uh, verse number two in chapter fourteen, in the book of Numbers. Verse two says, "And all the inhabitants of Israel." murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? First thing they wanted to blame was leadership. But because of their lack of faith, they wanted to blame leadership in what they could not see when they all had seen the same thing. But then the sad part was, it talks about they wish they had died in the land of Egypt. They want to remain in bondage. Hello, God is moving the house. You can either move with God or you can remain behind in bondage. And so, so you can have that Egypt mentality. God wants to bless his people. God is trying to send forth his people. God wants to take us to a place of overflow. But some of us don't want to go. So, so either, either you're going to go or you're going to stay behind in bondage. And see, the only way you know that you can go forth, go forth and receive that overflow, you've got to take that faith that God has given us, because he's given us all a certain measure of faith, and mix it with that word. If we see that somehow things are not working for us, it's because we have not mixed that faith with the word of God. Because God is not a God that, that will lie. Now let's drop down to verse number 7 in, 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 this, in the same chapter. And it says, verse 7 says, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceedingly good land. I mean, Caleb is telling them this. This is a good land. They all saw the same thing, but all all of them could not believe what God was was able to do. Verse 8 says, (coughs) If the Lord Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into his land. And give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. He had already told me he's going to give it to us. God has already told the house he is going to use this house for his glory. So we don't need no naysayers, don't need no doubters, okay? Then verse number 9 says, here's a warning. Only rebel not yet against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. In other words, when the obstacles could come up, don't, don't be afraid. Watch what they said. For they are bread for us. The enemy is what we eat on. 
Y'all catch that? We eat him. They're bread for us. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But look, this is the last verse. Look at verse number 12. This is what God says when we are not obedient to go forth in what he has called for us to do. He says, I will smite them with pestilence. Because see, God got upset. When, when we don't do what God say do and, and, and trust God, God will get upset. He says, I will smite them with, with pestilence. And look at this next word. And do what? Disinherit them. You can lose your inheritance when you don't follow what God say. God said, I will disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. God will call somebody else to receive your inheritance if you don't trust God, mixing this word with faith, and follow what God says. So the missing element we may have going on in our life is the one called faith. You've got to mix your faith in with the word of God to know God is going to do great and mighty things, not only for this house, but for everybody's individual house that's in this, in this household. That's right. We're in season. I, I'll tell you this. I don't care what the rest of the world looks like. But we here are in a season of overflow. Mm. Praise God. We're in a season of overflow. Yes. And you've got to trust God with the overflow. That's and right. believe he's going to bring you on to it. Amen. Amen. So come on, y'all. Let's get back. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen, church. This is our ministry training for tonight. Glad everybody could make it. We got some people out tonight, but um, there are valid reasons. And we just thank God for being here this, this evening. <clears throat> We're going to be dealing with tonight about the, the law of what we call process. And in the law of process, there are three pictures of growth. And we're going to be dealing with these three pictures of growth tonight in this law of process. <clears throat> As we do this, we're going to also be dealing with how God raises a leader, since this is leadership training. So go with me to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Go there with me, and we'll start and begin there before we begin to deal with the law of process and the principles or the three pictures of growth. Amen? Amen. So, in, in the process of dealing with how God raises a leader, there are five things that God does in this process. God pardons us, God heals us, God redeems us, God crowns us, and God satisfies us. And if you will look at each one of these, each one of these entail movement. And one of the biggest things and the biggest uh, discrepancies that we as the body of Christ can get caught up in is immobilization. Everything God does inquires movement. So when God pardons us, there's a movement involved in that. Leaders must put their past shame 
or blame behind them. That's a movement. In order to put your past behind you, that means you've got to move from it. Correct? So the first thing God has to do in our life is to pardon us. Look at verse 3 of Psalms 103. Verse 3. It says, who forgives us or who forgives all your, it made it personal, your iniquities, which is your sin. Correct? So that's the pardon. That's the, first, that's, that's the first thing God has to do with us before he can make us a leader. He has to pardon us of our sins, right? Amen. Amen? So now this is not just leadership ministry just for, the, for, for, for here at the sake of house of destiny, but this is for life itself. These principles are to be used in life itself. Now, Philippians 3.13, you don't have to go there, but you can write it down. It says, there's a place in there where it says, this one thing I know. I don't count myself as being apprehended, but this one thing I know, I'm going to forget that which is behind me. Philippians 3.13. You see, this thing that's behind us, that's called our past, you know that thing that people try to keep throwing up in your face? You know, it can be five years down the road and they still... Or, t- or 20 years, and they, you know what I'm saying? You know that thing called your past? You know, that thing called your past, which God says, I pardoned you of, and I want to move you from that. You know, that's that thing that we got caught up in our minds, and whatever happened to us in our past, and the things that we did in our past, when it causes us to wake up in the night in, a, in, 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 a, in what we call a cold sweat, or a heated sweat, or whatever kind of sweat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know how sometimes things creep up on you, you know, and, 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 and about the things that you've done in life that you're ashamed of, or that you didn't really mean to do, but because of the situation, you know, desperate people do desperate things in desperate times, you you know, and don't seem like nobody understands it except the one that's desperate. You know, that kind of stuff. God said, I want you to forget that. I want you to forget it. I just want you to move away from that because I pardon you of that. The Bible says he forgave us of all our iniquities. In other words, I got a new thing to do with you and your past ain't got nothing. To, it don't have no dog in that race. There's no involvement in it. So the next thing that God has to do as he, after he pardons us is God has to heal us. They must become healthy and be liberated from old wounds if, when God raises up a leader. See, these old wounds, one of the greatest challenges as me and Brenda, as a pastor that we have to deal with is folk who just can't seem to let that old wound heal, whatever it is. They just keep going back to it. You know, they just keep putting themselves in what we call a crock pot. And inside it, you sit yourself inside that crock pot, put that thing on high. And the, what, we, what we deem as the, the potatoes and the, 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 the vegetables and you know, all that stuff that you put in that roast, you the roast, you actually the meat. But all that stuff that's around that, you know, that's that wounds and the things that you keep blaming yourself for in your past, you know, it's all down in that crock pot of your life. And you down in there and you just, it's just simmering in. Can't seem to get away from it, can But God says that, hey, I pardoned you. And he said, with his stripes we are healed. But if it ain't mixed with what? Faith. Then it ain't no, right? You can be 
everybody that was in Israel wasn't of Israel. Everybody in the church, they ain't of the church. See, a lot of us can sit in this thing and get blessed enormously and then some just don't go nowhere with it because, see, the, the word is not mixed with faith. You got to mix it with faith. True deal, sis. True deal. The third thing that God wants to do is God wants to redeem us. They see their abilities and personality redeemed. You see, there's still movement in all of this. And then God wants to crown us because, first of all, in verse 3, uh, uh, verse 4, God redeems. Watch verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction. You see it? And then God crowns us because he says in verse 4, Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And those are gifts, people. And those gifts are placed in us to serve. And then the last thing that God does is God satisfies us. Leaders that God is raising up feel satisfied and fulfilled as they live out movement, their role that God has given them. Verse 5 says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, so everything about God in your life is about movement. And this is what God wants us to be. God wants us to be about movement. Now, let's deal with the law of process because there's a process involved in it. And where there's a process, there's an expected end. And everywhere there's an expected end, there is a final destination. There is a growth process in the midst of it. So these are the three pictures of growth. Paul desperately wanted competent leaders. He just didn't want leaders. He wanted competent leaders to rise up. Brenda said capable. Capable leaders. You see, Caleb was a capable leader. He was able to steal the people. Paul desperately wanted competent leaders to rise up within the church. Leaders who were healthy, strong, and able to make decisions without his help. And Paul gave them three pictures to illustrate how God wanted them to grow. Well, first of all, you've got to look at the church in three ways. First of all, the church is a family. Second of all, the church is a field. And third of all, the church is a building. Okay? Not this kind of building, but this kind of building. Fitly framed together. In other words, our souls are fitly Framed together, according to the book of Ephesians, growing into the holy temple of God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. The three principles of growth. We're in a period of growth. And there are principles involved in growth. If we are to become perfected in this thing, there are principles involved in it. So first, the church is a family. The church is a field and the church is a building. And each one of these areas that the church is designated at, each one has a goal. As the church being a family, the goal of the family or the goal of the church as a family is the goal to mature. We cannot stay babies. Got it? Now, Paul says that in, uh, in the, that I, uh, verse 3, chapter 3 here, of 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
And why y'all going there, you got to understand that it's natural for children to grow physically as they age, right? Well, it should be the same way with us spiritually. The mark of maturity of what you eat, what you do, and what you say. That's the mark of maturity. So when you get there to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let me know. And I'm going to read the first three verses here. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak. We're talking about maturity now. I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to what kind of people? Carnal people, because you were still what? Yet babes in what? See, some people just want to stay a baby. Oh, I just want the sincere milk of the word. No, 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 no. You got to get off that simulac. We don't serve milk here. We don't, we don't do that. You got, you, 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 we ain't, no, 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 no. That ain't going to work. Brethren, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal. For where there are envies and strife and division among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now you see why I don't go in for no foolishness. You do, do, can I get an amen? Now do y'all see why I don't go in for no foolishness up in here? Because envy, strife, jealousy, division, it's immaturity. And we're not supposed to be that, right? And if we allow that to come up in here, then what would we have? We'd have a big problem, wouldn't we? So we stamp it out from the beginning because we know what that'll do. We know what it does, you know. Now, you know, what kills me is that people say, okay, yeah, we want strong leadership, but when they get strong leadership and leadership keeps everything in line, sometimes the one that say they want is the one that, you know, will, you know what I'm saying? You ever notice that? Ain't we weird as people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all the time, all the time. So the mark of maturity first is what we eat. Paul said, now I couldn't, I had to feed you milk because you weren't ready for solid food. Mm-hmm. What you do, well, what they would do, they were envious, strife, and division among them, you know. The mark of maturity or immaturity. What you eat, what you do, and what you say, you know, what you say. You had them run around there, one hollering, I'm, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, you know. And Paul nor Apollos ain't saved nobody. It's the mark of immaturity. They do it now. They do it now. It's immaturity. It's immaturity. So the mark of maturity is what you eat. What kind of diet you eat now, this word? What you do and what you say. That will determine where your level of maturity is. The next thing is the church is a field. Now, the, if the church is a field, you plant stuff in a field, right? And you plant it there for it to grow and do what? Be fruitful, right? You're looking for a harvest. So, the goal of the church as a field is so that you will be fruitful. There is a development. Involved in this. We'll talk about more about that Sunday. 
So the church's goal as a field, the church's goal is to be fruitful. Fruit includes the results of your work, the response of your people, and the reward of your fulfillment. So, watch this. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I'm going to read verse 6, 7, and 8. It says, I planted Apollo's water. We talk about being fruitful. But who gave the increase? God did. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. But it's God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. If you don't do nothing, you don't get nothing. Amen? You, there is no need for you to have a field, right? And you ain't planting nothing. And you looking back, waiting on a harvest, but you know you ain't planted nothing. Now, I've used this scenario before. But now Farmer John crossed the road, he did what he's supposed to do. And he got his heart. He got what they call a bumper crop. Amen? Amen. Now you over here, and your thing looking crazy. Now you mad at Farmer John. Because Farmer John did what he said. See, each season of your life, each season, there are certain things that you have to do. There are, if you want to harvest. There are things that you got to do in the fall. There are things that you got to do in the winter. There are things that you got to do in the spring. If you want to get that harvest in the summer, right? Now, you miss a lick, and guess what? Ain't nothing going to happen. Because what you do in the season that you're in determines what you're going to get in the next season that God puts you in. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if you still playing the name, the, 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 the brain game, you know, you got, I run into Christians all the time always blaming everybody except themselves. It's the blame game. As long as I can blame somebody else for my despair, then I'm going to be all right because I ain't going to never have to look at my own silly self. You understand what I'm saying? You got people do it all the time. I get on people all the time about it. Matter of fact, daily. Because the first thing they do is call me and they want me to sit there and talk hours to them about their insanity. Children, I don't have that kind of time. I got things to do. I do more than just sit at home. I work. You understand what I'm saying? I work. I work hard. You know, that's why my harvest keeps coming in. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't have time to go over and over and over the same rhetoric with a person, if that person still want to stay down in that crock pot and stew in there. You understand what I'm saying? You want, I don't have time for that. You want to just sit around and play the name game. Get on in there and just stew yourself to death on it. But you are not going to pull me down off in there with you. You understand what I'm saying? And if y'all got good sense, y'all ain't going to allow people to do it to y'all either. I'm going to tell you now. I had a son. I got a son. My oldest son. He's out there in Atlanta now. 
He was down there working at Bowen down in Charleston. Well, that wasn't good enough. He got all these pipe dreams, you know, I call them pipe dreams. You know. But you ain't planting right. But you keep wondering why things ain't going right, you know. How many of y'all know that your family would destroy you if you're stupid enough to let them? They'll kill you. They will kill you. You know what I've done? Went down there, got him, took him to his mammy's house, dropped him off. Yeah, I did. He's out there in Atlanta somewhere. God said he gonna, you're going to go through the same thing, that three, that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar, where you grow feathers. Yeah, he's going to go through the same thing. That's the, I had to go to Anderson, South Carolina. That was my wilderness. His is going to be Atlanta. I already know that. Do you think I'm calling him, trying to let him know that? No, I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because he ain't going to listen. I'm not going to waste my time with a fool. you got to learn how to cut folk loose, family and everything. They'll destroy you. We're trying to go somewhere in life. God is trying to get you somewhere. And as long as you placate to the enemy, a man worth foes is in his household. That's the word of Jesus Christ. That's the word of Jesus Christ. I sent that Yahoo on out there, and whatever happened to him, God be with him. And you think I'm losing any sleep? You out of your mind. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. Think I'm going to lose any sleep over you. You know what I'm saying? You know why I do that? Because, you see, I have already been there and done that. And I know that when you don't want to listen, someone out through there like the Bible say, if we do what the Bible tells us to do, then our life would be easier. And guess what? Your money would be in your pocket, too. Wouldn't be broke. The people, your family will break you, fooling with them idiots. So I sent them on out through yon. Go on out through there. No, you ain't getting my money to act a fool with. No, you go out there. No, I ain't gonna do it. Cause see, I done already done. I got a limit on how far I go. You know, and then once I reach that limit, then that's it. Now you on your own. And that's the way it is. Because in the final analysis, the only one that I got to take care of in the final analysis, and in the first two, is that one right there. That's the only one God told me to take care of. Because all them other Yahoo's grown. Bible say a man ought to get married, find a wife, leave his family, find a wife, cleave to her. That's it. And the two become one. Now, that's what they're supposed to do. That's what God's word is. Ain't that what the word of God say? Am I, am I in the house? Amen. Am I preaching truth up in here? Because right. I want to make sure I'm preaching truth up in here. Because as long as I'm preaching truth up in here, I can give a care less who don't like it. As long as I'm preaching truth, that's the only thing that matters to me. The third thing that the church is, is the church... Is a building. When I say a building, it's a spiritual building. Everything we do here is spiritual. The goal of the building is quality. Somebody say quality. Got to have quality. Now, the measure of a good structure is quality. This includes you got to have the right foundation. You got to have the right material, and you got to have the right motive. Well, first of all, let's look at verse chapter, First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine through eleven. 
The Bible says, for we are God's fellow workers. That means we in cahoots with him. And you are God's field. Well, we just talked about that. And you are God's building. Now we're talking about that, correct? According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a, what kind of master? So there's some wisdom involved in this. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. See it? But let each one, talking about each one that's building on this thing, let him take heed how he builds on it. See, that's another thing that's killing us. We've got error. The church has error in its building, the way it's building God's church. You see what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're mixing in the crudeness of the old. and try, Jesus said you can't put new wine in an old wine skin. You're going backwards. You can't mix law and grace. You can't do it. You can't do it. You see, that's error. It'll, it'll take, it takes the grace out of your life. And when the grace is taken out of your life, then the growth is taken out of your life because you're not able to do you're never going to be able to satisfy God in what you do. I'm trying to tell you, church, that's the whole reason that Jesus Christ came and died for us. You've got to understand the economy of grace. And most Christians and Christian churches don't understand the economy of grace. They talk about it all the time, but they don't understand the economy of it. There's an economy involved in grace. And we don't understand it. And we don't understand it. You see, grace is about all you can do in faith. The law is about all you can do in yourself. And it's only there to show you that you can't do nothing without me. You can't do this. You cannot do the least of one of these things. He said, you, if you just break the least of that means if you tell a little lie, or if you do your woman wrong, you know, or if you say the wrong thing, you, 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 man, look, people, make it easy on yourself. Just make it easy on yourself. I'm trying to help y'all understand grace. The grace of God will take us to heaven into eternity. Nothing else will. Because Jesus brought grace into our life. So what kind of, the, the, what is the foundation? It says, I as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Now, everybody that builds thereupon, take heed, it says. How you building on this thing? Because if you start out to build a brick house, and you lay the foundation correctly, and then you start building what's supposed to be a brick house with hay or stubble, you're messed up. You're, you're building you be. You, when the house is finished, it ain't going to be right. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell y'all up in that church? I'm not concerned with people finish. See, that's what the problem is. You can't preach to people because they everybody worried about how people going to feel about the truth. The devil with how they feel about the truth. Just give it. 
tell nothing about how somebody feels. That's your problem. That's why we got so many wimps. They, they, they too, they, you know, you, mommy, mommy. Man, we're at war, people. Do you understand we're at war? And the further we're out there with all these people, do you think the enemy ain't trying to kill all of us in his own way? Trying to get us to make one wrong move. Better realize what's going on here. I'm doing my best to keep my head above water and y'all's too. Doing my best. So it includes the right foundation. And then you've got to have the right material. Well, first of all, let's look at verse 12 through 17. Let's look at that. Are we there? Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, see there, a lot of stuff in there. Each one's work will become clear. Uh-oh. For the day will declare it. Yes, it will. Because it will be revealed by what? Fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Praise God for that. Yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So, we, so, so the mix and the match thing, let me tell y'all something. Without grace, we doomed. You ain't got a chance without grace. You can do what you want to. But I know this book. You can believe what you want to. But I know this book. And I know Jesus too. And Jesus saved my soul. Amen. Jesus saved my soul. And when Jesus saved my soul, it took me, it told me, don't put the new wine. Don't try to do take this new wine and put it in an old wine skin. You know, well, don't take the new and try to put it in the old because what happens is, is that it busts, Jesus said. It can't contain this new thing. Can't do it. It can't do it, y'all. He said, don't take a new piece of garment, put an old piece of garment on a new piece of garment. It ain't going to look right. It ain't going to fit right. It's going to drop. That's in the That's in the book. That's in the book. And what we're doing is we're running over here getting this stuff over here and trying to put it, trying to put God's new thing in it. And God can't never develop us because we still caught up in something that we don't need to be caught up in. And we're trying to teach others to be caught up in it too. And we got to be careful, y'all. You know what? I'm going to tell y'all something. I'm going to tell y'all a little secret. My wife said she couldn't see it, but I told her, well, you better start seeing it. Didn't I tell you that? You see all this stuff that's going on out here? These hurricanes and this rain and this stuff. Think back. And the snow and the drought. Think back. Just think. Just think. Now Jesus said it's going to be things coming upon the face of this earth that's going to call me and hearts to fail them. And when you get on TV and you see what a street was, it done made a river. 
a whole river, you know, and all this kind of stuff going along all around the place, places that plane can't even find where the plane. Let me tell y'all something. I told my wife this is what I feel like. I just repeated it to you. I feel like we as a people are running for our life. I feel that everywhere we are, we got to be careful. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it, it ain't gonna be long for everybody just gonna realize that hey, you know, we get you, them ducks in a pond. We're being shot at y'all, and we tripping on this small stuff, tripping out on this small stuff, and the enemy, and we don't even realize that it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. And let me tell y'all something: the rabbit got the gun. The rabbit got the gun. It took the gun from the hunter, and now the hunter is being hunted. Now, you better hear what I'm saying. The next, so, so this thing that we build in this material, the right material, it's got to be the right thing. God is the Spirit, so it's got to be built with the Spirit. It can't be built with nothing else. You've got to understand this now. This word says it's got to be built with the right thing. We're talking about the quality of the church. And then it's got to be built with the right motives. What's your motive? What's your motive for doing what you're doing? Look at 18 through 23. Well, let's just go 18, 18 and 19. Amen? Watch this. Let no man deceive. Who? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Who? Boy, that's it. Read it again, somebody. Let no man deceive himself. Didn't say nothing about deceiving nobody else. This time he said, now don't you be deceived. Because you know we go crazy sometimes, don't we? You know, we will find something way to deceive ourselves. We will. But the words say, let no man... This word is tight, ain't it, y'all? Huh? Get well, temper. I, I say timber. Now, if you're stupid enough to sit up on it and get hit with the tree, then so be it. But I said timber. Because the tree being cut. Let no man, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seem to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Don't you know knowledge will puff you up? The Bible says knowledge puffs up. The Bible says that's why you don't give a novice, you don't put them in full control because a novice through their knowledge they get puffed up. That's what God's word says. God know more than I know about this thing. That's why I try to keep everything under control up in here. You know? See, 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 that's why we're recording this thing tonight. See, the devil thought that he was going to get people not to hear what God had to say. But see, I tricked the devil. No, we're recording this thing tonight, and then I'm going to put it on sermon.net, and, then if they, and it'll be on there tonight. And if they want to hear it, all they got to do is go there and hear it. But see, see, it's up to them. Now, now see, the ball's in their court now. Balls in they code. Cause God ain't gonna let us get away no more. See, we play sick and holler about we sick and all that now. I, well, I done sent out blasts. Well, fine, you know. And I understand people's dilemma. You know, it's okay. But we gonna help you. We gonna put this thing on technology. You got them little old telephones that you love so much. Y'all know them. Oh, you got them. You know what I'm saying? You love that you're addicted to. 
I put a challenge out here one day. I said, just stay off from one day. None of you did it. And I ain't asked nothing. You ain't done nothing either. You had it on too. None of them. Don't tell that lie. You had yours on too. And you know what? I ain't asked nobody did they do it. God told me ain't none of them jokers done. Now, how, now did you? See? So that lets you know you're addicted. You're addicted to a drug called telephone. That lets you know. So how you going to talk about the one down there that's on drugs and you on it too? But you try to make concessions like your situation is different. No, it ain't. Anything that you ain't got control of means that you are junkie for it. Hey, man. Hello. So we're all addicted. We're all addicts. If you ain't an addict, then, then I'll tell you what. If you ain't an addict, then leave them phones in there. And come back tomorrow night. I'll be here at the same time to give them back to you if you ain't an addict. You can't do it, see. So I'll, I'll put you through the test. So you think you that important that you got to have that phone. No, you ain't that important. And ain't nobody you got to talk to that important. Because God got all souls in his hands. All souls belong to him. God is big enough to take care of any phone call you get. Amen. Huh? Oh, boy. I don't know where that came from, but it came. Jesus. It came. Anyway, watch this. It says, if any man, let no man deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. Jane, will you?